It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 231 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, November 21st. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and LockedOnRaptors.com. You can find me on Twitter at Woodley Shaw, and the show is on Twitter as well at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode. Make sure you're also checking out all the Locked On podcasts across the network. Uh, Locked On NBA, just search it on iTunes. You can find all 30 shows, plus Locked On Fantasy, Locked On NBA with David Locke. Uh, there's a new episode of that out today, talking with the Celtics podcast and Clippers and Pistons and getting all the, the local viewpoints on all the biggest stories in the league and those stupid Celtics who keep on winning. Um, make sure you're checking out the Locked On Fan Rag network of blogs as well. Uh, got some good stuff up there. I'm going to have a mailbag podcast at LockedOnRaptors.com at some point today or tomorrow, so stay tuned for that. Uh, please go to iTunes and rate and review Locked On Raptors. It takes no time at all. It's the easiest way to help out the show and uh, show that you care. It helps to move us up the rankings, makes us more discoverable, and I'd very much appreciate it. Um, so let's get into today's, today's show. On today's show, this might be the dumbest podcast we've ever done, uh, and but it's going to be one of the most important. And joining me to do so, uh, or joining me for it, I don't even know what the hell I'm saying. Uh, joining me for today's podcast, on which we are going to rank the top five small forwards in Raptors history is Dan Grant. How you doing, man? I'm doing wonderfully well, Sean. How are you? Uh, apparently, I'm bad because I can't speak English, uh, but that's just par for the course of this podcast. Um, so yeah, I did a mailbag podcast last week, asked for questions, and you sent this question in and asked to me to rank the top five small forwards in Raptors history, I think in honor of OG becoming really good uh, and like actually maybe having a beacon of hope for the small forward position for the first time in a long time. Um, and I wanted to dedicate an entire podcast to it because it's a really good question. It's a sad question for the Raptors because, <laughs> my God, this has been a position of just destitution for the last 20 years, for the most part at least. Um, and I thought I'd have you on because, hey, you're more knowledgeable about like early Raptors stuff than I am because I'm a youth and you're you're an old. Um, <laughs> you're not that old. I, I mean, um, you're, but... You're yeah, no, I'm the worst, but... No, you're, you're much more knowledgeable on, like, early Raptor stuff than I am, I think. And, you know, you, you if people are familiar with the Raptors HQ podcast, the headquarters, uh, you'll, they'll know Dan as the guy who always wins at that random Raptors game. Uh, just the recollection you have for old Raptors is fantastic. So uh, I decided we should try to rank the top five small forwards. And then you came in and just did all the work 
uh, did a whole bunch of research, did a whole bunch of preparation that I frankly did not do, and that's why you're the best kind of guest, but uh, we're going to get into a whole bunch of different stuff. We're going to sort of group the small forwards from Raptors history into categories. We're going to talk about which guys didn't qualify as small forwards. Uh, a lot of stuff that Dan has gotten into. It's very impressive. But first, uh, before we get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor for today. And our new sponsor for today is my bookie. You know, ever since I started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually, it's what team to bet on this week. Are you going to bet on the Bucks or the Kings? Are you going to take the Raptors or the Celtics? Uh, usually, I would take the Raptors over the Celtics, except for the last couple weeks. But let me tell you this. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. So that's why I always tell people to go to mybookie.ag. MyBookie has been in the business for years, and their rep is rock solid. They do 100% cash bonuses, so off the bat, you're making money for doing nothing. And they have the fastest payouts, seriously, just two business days. You know who's going to win, right? So why not lay down some cash and win big today? There are a lot of online sports books out there, and MyBookie.ag is the only one that gets my stamp of approval. And MyBookie.ag is by far the best sports book I've used. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business, and an all-new mobile site that makes wagering on the go a breeze. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA to activate the offer. Visit mybookie.ag today. You win, you play, you get paid. All right, Dan, uh, I think it's time to dive into the top five small forwards in Raptors history. Might, we might even rank like the bottom five if we want to. Um, that might be more of a sort of subjective thing where it's based on our own feelings about each player and sort of how they directly negatively impacted our lives. But the top five, I feel like there should be a little bit more consensus too, perhaps maybe some argument here or there for certain guys. But um, you've done a lot of pre- preparation for this. You've done a lot of research. You've done a lot of categorizing of different guys. Um, can you take me in behind your, your process for getting ready for this podcast, first of all? I guess let's start with the guys who didn't qualify, because you did point out to me that um, of the guys who didn't qualify, we kind of bandied around some names last night, uh, but uh, some guys did, aren't going to make the cut. Vince Carter, Doug Christie, Anthony Parker, uh, Jorge Garbajosa, and Alvin Robertson do not make it. Why are they DNQ'd from, the quali- from, the, from qualifying for this? Yeah, uh, so basically the rules that I followed when I was looking to see if people qualified is that their positional eligibility as a Raptor is the most important thing because obviously a lot of, none of these guys play their entire career as a Raptor. Um, rest of their career became a tiebreaker if necessary. That only happened once or twice. Uh, also, it had to be guys who played a significant amount of time with the team unless it was like a complete novelty, which you'll see later. Mm-hmm. Uh, names you're not going to hear are guys like Quincy AC, Austin Day, Luke Jackson, Pop, Pop Spencer Bonsu. Uh, Ronald Dupree, like these are all guys that if you look through basketball reference, you'll see that an SF beside their name, but they didn't really play enough time to kind of crack the list. Uh, even though some of the guys who did crack the list did not have careers that were much more significant than those guys, <laughs> um, they might just be some more recognizable names. In terms of the guys you just mentioned, um, Vince was really close. He was kind of like the, um, I don't know, kind of like the pace guard. If you passed his small forward time, you kind of made it. Right. Um, basketball reference doesn't keep track of, if you look on basketball reference, you can go to their play-by-play stat, and it kind of lists where people play by position. It's really subjective, um, because I'm pretty sure someone pointed out to me last year, the only way they do it is by height. So <laughs> if, you're, if, if you're the fifth tall, if you're the tallest guy on the court, you're listed as a center. Um, this was a funny thing last year with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins when people were arguing about who should qualify for forward, who should qualify for center for uh, 
uh, for all NBA. <laughs> and they had uh, Cousins listed as being taller than Anthony Davis, which is weird to me. But um, anyway, it doesn't really matter. But some of it is pretty loose. Um, but I did try to follow it as much as I could. So it was kind of hard for some of the earlier guys. But for Vince, where it starts kind of in the middle of his career, because uh, the first season they keep track is 2000, 2001, he's listed as a small forward for the first three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um which they do based on whichever position they played at the highest percentage of the time, but they don't have the breakdown for those seasons. Uh, in the three and a half seasons they do have of his career as a Raptor, he was listed as a shooting guard and for most of the rest of his career. So that's where that tiebreaker came in for the rest of his career. Um, there are a couple seasons, including this right now, where he's listed as a small forward again, but for I'd say like 85% of his career afterwards, he was listed as a shooting guard. So Vince doesn't quite make it as a small forward for me. Which um, makes it more fun, I think, because he's such an easy pick. Exactly. Uh, that, so yeah, it adds some controversy to it, which is good. Definitely. Uh, Doug Christie, another guy who I thought might have played significant minutes at small forward, was listed almost exclusively as a shooting guard for his career. Okay. Um, which is pretty much probably why Vince was listed at small forward for those first three years, because Christie was playing shooting guard next to him. Um, he barely played small forward in his career at all, except for the first year he was acquired by Toronto, which is why some people, including myself, might remember him that way. Uh, they traded for him midway through the first season, the 95-96 year. Uh, and he would have played uh, small forward that year because of another guy who didn't make it, Alvin Robertson, who was a one-year wonder at the end of his career, uh, played for the Raptors after missing two full years with a back injury, uh, but played shooting guard almost exclusively. I thought he was more of a small forward, but that was just me misremembering. Right. Uh, same thing goes for Anthony Parker, uh, almost exclusively a shooting guard as a Raptor, played small forward later in his career, um, never cracked. He played 27% of his minutes as a small forward his first year as a Raptor, but never cracked 10% after that. And the, the final one that was kind of the only way this happened with Jorge Garbajosa, uh, he only played really one season. His second year, he played only seven games before he broke his leg, obviously, and his, his NBA career ended. Right. Um, that first year, he did play 45% of his minutes at small forward, but the other 55% were power forward or center. So he just didn't play enough to qualify. I was looking for guys to crack kind of that 50, either the 50% barrier mm. or just the position they played the most. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Fair enough. Okay, so... You left with, uh, I don't know, probably like two dozen guys now who I guess will qualify as small forwards over history. Not surprising, considering the amount of turnover the Raptors have had at that position. It's about one for every season, which makes a ton of sense. Um, uh, So, And you've gone ahead and and sorted them all into categories. So let's take you through the categories. Let's start with, I guess, with the smaller categories, and we can get to the larger ones as we go on. Sure. Uh, Okay, so uh, we'll start with the most modern category, which is Masai's guys. Okay. Uh, There's only two guys. Damari Carroll, obviously, just departed. Uh, he's listed as a small forward both of his years at the Raptor, played over 85% of his minutes there. 
Uh, I, you know, he's doing well in Brooklyn. I'm glad he's healthy. I didn't care for his parting shots on the way at the door. And you're welcome <laughs> for that three, that free thirty million bucks, Damari. Because, uh, but it, it's shocking that he had to almost be considered for the top five list, yeah. uh, just based on his talent. But he didn't make it for me. Um, and the other guy, uh, small forward and size guys, is uh, of course Bruno Caboclo. <laughs> Oh, uh, I didn't know Bruno was on the list. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but beside beside him, I just wrote, "Oh, Bruno." <laughs> <laughs> is, it, uh, that, is OG not in this list? Is OG not in this list? Uh, no. Well, OG. Okay. So you mentioned the question I asked earlier. OG would be in this. This is where he would be as well. Okay. Uh, you mentioned my original question last week, which was who are the top five small forwards in Raptors history. The second part of the question was actually. How long is it going to take OG to crack uh, okay. uh, this, this list? Okay. And uh, for me, he's not quite there yet, but it's actually, he's pretty close. <laughs> he, was sitting, he was sitting in the five spot in my list for a while, and then eventually I, I just pushed him out. Oh, my but, God. But, uh, yeah, for sure. So that's the Masai's guys section. Do you have that's... any thoughts about Damari Carroll or Bruno? Yeah, so first of all, the fact that Bruno was number five for a while and yours is just utterly depressing. Um, I do oh, think OG OG was number five. Sorry, that's what. Sorry, my, my bad. Yeah. OG. Yes. Um, I do think uh, maybe we can tie it all back together and answer that question as like the closer for this podcast to make it a nice tight bow on the end uh, as to when we think he's going to reach the top five. Um, sure. Demari Carroll. Yeah, it's honestly kind of interesting because I think the best minutes that Demari Carroll had as a Raptor came out of, as the four anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So like, you know, obviously that first season was kind of lost. He just he didn't play enough. He 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 played like I don't know. He played twenty six games in the season. I would imagine probably like six of them were actually healthy before his foot started bothering him and then his knee. And then he had surgery. And then came back and just wasn't right for the playoffs. Um, and some of his best minutes came as a small ball four. And then we saw that in his second season. A couple of the games where they lo- they looked their best was you know there was a game against Boston I remember where he played next to Patrick Patterson in the front court and it was really effective. There was that game against Charlotte where they came back late and you had Jakob Pertl playing next to Carroll in the front court with a three point guard lineup which was intensely bizarre but it was awesome. Um, so yeah, even like the best memories I have of you know noted small forward Damari Carroll were as a four and not even doing and playing the position that he was acquired to fill. Uh, the vacancy that the Raptors have had forever. So that's a fascinating thing about... That's pretty much all I have to say on Damari. We've talked about Damari to death on this podcast and sure. uh, as Raptors fans, but that, I think that's kind of inter- inter- an interesting note of his candidacy for this list in that like he wasn't even very good as a small forward um, in the moments like where he was at his best. Um, like His best moments came as a four. Um, so yeah, that's about all I got there. Bruno, yeah, whatever. We'll see. Uh, OG, we'll, 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 we'll wrap things up with him, but that's... Uh, I think that's like the least, or one of the least depressing parts of this podcast, probably going through those three guys. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's about funny. to get a lot darker. So uh, let's continue on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, the next list is called the Grover Clevelands. Uh, <laughs> Gro- Gro- Grover Cleveland is famously a United States president. That uh, the thing he's most famous for, other than I guess the city of Cleveland being named after him, I think, uh, was that he's the only U.S. president that served non-consecutive terms. Right. So. Uh, for people who are not history nerds, that means that there was a president served in between him, and he served one term on either side of that person. Uh, so there were three Raptors small forwards who actually began with the team, went elsewhere, and then came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have P.J. Tucker with his two stints 10 years apart. Yep. Uh, my note says we could really use him this season, <laughs> uh, and I wish he had accepted our contract offer. Uh Tracy Murray, uh, who was one of my early favorites, was a great fan favorite in that first year, uh, was in the expansion draft, only played one year, left, 
went to Washington and I think another team. I can't remember who else. He scored 50 points in Washington, though. Um, listed exclusively as a small forward in those seasons as a Raptor. Uh, came back around 2000, played another season and a half. Uh, and then James Johnson, uh, who my note just says, no, he would not have been as good in Toronto as he was for Miami <laughs> last year because he just got more playing time. No, he hasn't looked that good this year. Yes, he is now overpaid. Yes, please shut up about it. Seems like a fun guy, though. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's that's the Grover Cleveland. <laughs> P.J. Tucker, uh, uh, Tracy Murray, and James Johnson. I appreciate your James Johnson uh, reasoned take on him. Uh, yeah, he the whole thing with him, I remember it really got to a boiling point in the 2014-15 playoffs against the Wizards where, like, yeah, maybe James Johnson could have come in and been a little bit of a, a sort of small ball look the Raptors could throw against the Wizards who were just ripping, the par- r- ripping them apart with Paul Pierce at the four and stuff. But, like... Yeah. James Johnson was actively bad that entire season. Uh, yep. Like he was not a good or effective player. He would come in, he would kind of hijack the offense for some reason, thinking he sort of, uh, I don't know. He had a couple of games here and there where his defense really stood out. He'd get a couple of plays here and there that would sort of stand out and be winning plays. But overall, the offense was just god awful when he was on the court, um, and he just wasn't good that last year in Toronto. Like you know, twenty, I guess twenty fifteen sixteen was his last year. Uh, he just did barely played that season. He played fifty seven games. He started thirty two. Um, but I think people kind of realized by then that he was pretty bad. But in 2014-15, he wasn't good by the end of that season either. Uh, and he just he wasn't effective when he came into the playoffs. I think he got like one game in the playoffs. It was game two. Uh, they threw him in. I, I remember being at that game, and there was like a standing ovation when he came in because people just really wanted to see James Johnson yeah. come in. Uh, and it didn't do anything because James <laughs> yeah. Johnson wasn't an effective player for the Raptors uh, when he was here for that second stint, or, or the first stint, I suppose. Um, the first thing there was like a big thing with Dwayne Casey, right? That's what happened there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that was always the thing with right. him. Like, like you said, he's always an athletic guy who could make these standout plays. So I think he stood out a lot to casual fans, and I think a lot of stat heads would look at the advanced stats on him and say, "Well, just put this guy in and let him, you know, let him make some mistakes once in a while." There's always a quick hook on him, but then you kind of got there was like rumblings out of the Raptors, and who knows what the case is. But you know, he wasn't a guy who was like all that prepared at practice. I don't, I, I don't know about that. I remember reading about that. There was also things that he just wasn't consistent. Like, he'd make these wow plays, and then he'd give the ball away. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he always, you know, would be given an inch and take a mile, and he wouldn't play within the system. And for a guy with such a unique skill set, you kind of have to he, – he needed to know his role a little bit better on the team. Yeah. And he always seemed to be just kind of trying to do, do too much, which they kind of fixed that in Miami. They let him have the ball in his hands and create a little bit more. He got in really good shape. He played really consistent defense, and so good for them for doing that with him. But the James Johnson that we saw both times he was here was not a guy who was going to you know set the world on fire. Yeah, like pretty good on-ball defender, just yes. horrific off-ball defender would just let yes. dudes cut on him nonstop. Um, totally. And yeah, like good on the Heat for being able to mine whatever they could out of him and turning him into sort of a, an updated physical specimen, a, a guy who was already in like pretty good shape as like an MMA guy. Um, yeah. and turning him into what he is now. And, like, congrats to him. I'm glad he got paid. Um, and from all accounts, like, maybe he wasn't loved by the coaching staff, but he was kind of beloved by the young players on the team. And I think in that second year, 2015-16, you know, there was you know, a lot of a lot made of, like, how he would hang around after practice and just, like, play three-on-three three with all the young guys on the team, which was, like, pretty cool, I suppose. And that's yeah. a good way to, like, if you're not playing, to at least ingratiate yourself somehow in, in the team and, you know, be part of the team. So... 
Uh, that's something that he did well, I suppose. But yeah, overall, sure. not he's not making my top five. That's for sure. No, definitely yeah. not. No. Uh, uh, Tracy so, Murray, what are your? As I like, barely remember Tracy Murray. Yeah, he was just a lot of fun in that first season. He mm-hmm. was there kind of. Other than Stoudemire, he was kind of like the number two option offensively. Right. Um, they had him, Oliver Miller. You know, we had John Sally, but he was always hurt. Um, it was a lot of that team was a lot of like old veteran guys who had been good at one point. Yeah. Tracy Murray was a little younger. He was, uh, he was like, I think 29, 30. So he was 24 he was, in 95, 96. 24, excuse me. Sorry, yeah. 29, 30 when he came back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's a young guy, right? So they, they took him and they let him play. And he was a fan favorite. And then he was gone after a year, um, which was kind of weird. I don't actually remember why. I was only 10 at the time. I should have looked at that. But, uh, when they traded to get him back, people were really happy, and he kind of joined that, uh, you know, Vince Carter, Oakley, Christie, Kevin Willis, Muggsy Bogues. Like, he was on that team, and uh, he was, you know, he, he was good. He could really fill it up. Like I mentioned before, he'd scored 50 in Washington while he was not on the team. Um, he was a guy. He was just a fun player, scorer, good guy. People really liked him. He was a fan favorite. I know Dennis Reynolds, if you're listening, he's your favorite player, favorite player of all time. That's Dan Reynolds' younger brother. <laughs> um, loves Tracy Murray. Uh, so, yeah, no, just a good guy. Good early fan favorite. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grimly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Is he a guy who you would put into your, your top list or is he? He was in it and then I think I took him out or is okay. he in my list. So no, I took him out. Okay. And then obviously PJ Tucker is the next one. Uh, yeah. Drafted in the same draft as Andrea Bargnani in the second round. Played yep. half the season. Uh, did they cut him or trade him? What, how did that end? I- yeah, I think they just didn't pick up his options, and right. then he went to Europe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then, yeah, went to Europe, came back with the Suns, obviously, traded for him last year. I remember how, how excited I was when they made that trade at the deadline last season. Yeah, it was um, awesome. I remember, because I was, like, kind of working the trade deadline for Raptors HQ, just kind of monitoring Twitter and just writing up new stuff and rumors whenever they came out. And I was, like, kind of resigned to, like, okay, they got Serge Ibaka, that's fine. They didn't want to give up anything else to get an asset. Um, PJ Tucker is probably going to cost a first rounder because the Suns were being unreasonable or whatever. That's fine. And then 259, Woj tweets that the Raptors have picked up PJ Tucker for two second rounders, and I'm just like yeah, over great. the moon. And then that first game he played, uh, where he like Boston. ripped ripped the hands ripped the ball out of the hands of Isaiah Thomas like a little baby. Uh, yeah, he him and great. him and Serge Ibaka just were outstanding together as like a a closing uh, front court for the Raptors. like As a small ball four, he was just unbelievable. Rebounded incredibly well for a guy of his size and like lack of hops. And yeah, he was... Um, I don't know. Were you more upset over Tucker or Patterson leaving this offseason? Tucker. Yeah? Okay. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was weird when Patterson left for such a small amount of money, but then you saw it was probably because he was injured. 
Yeah, um, man, he looks so I was rough right was, now. Yeah, it was frustrating to lose both of them, but I definitely thought the way the team was going, especially with Ibaka, you know, coming back, that Tucker would have been kind of the more useful guy. Obviously, I, at the time when that was happening, I thought OG wasn't going to even play maybe this whole year. Yeah, uh, um, the fact that he played in game one and is still, you know, is already good is pretty wild. Um, so yeah, I definitely thought Tucker would be a guy to you know keep Norm in that bench unit, but give him some more minutes. Uh, so, you know, we even play him at the four and the back at the five, which was their really great defensive lineup down the stretch last year. I thought keeping that together would have been huge. Uh, and the money they offered him was reasonable. So I he thought he turned more money down. He did. Yeah. He did. He did turn an extra year and more money, right? So, um, yeah, it's too bad. But uh, I don't I don't begrudge him going and trying to win a title with Houston. You know what? I, I think I'm okay that the Raptors didn't get him for four years and yep. $32 million at, at 31. That would have been pretty steep. It would have been in line with their window, but I think PJ Tucker is kind of the type of guy who, like, you really love when he's on your team, but you don't miss him all that much when he's not there. Um, yeah, it's like it's he a, he's a lovely luxury to have, but you're not yeah. you're not gonna like die if he's not on your team because no, like while his defense is incredible, the Raptors have kind of figured out their defense I think so far this season, and the fact that they have all these young dudes who can switch is very nice. Um, yep. And I'd honestly rather see OG get minutes and develop in in, in sort of kind of try to bridge to the future and just get these developmental minutes in now while maybe you can kind of maximize the window by making him good. Uh, like he wouldn't be playing this much if PJ Tucker was on the team because they're kind of the same player in terms of no. what they do at, at this point. Probably be in the G League, wouldn't you think? Because like yeah. they, they got Norm and they got him. And if Norm wasn't hurt, you know, if everyone's healthy, they're already having trouble with having too many players the rotation. Yeah. Um, it would have been kind of a mess. So maybe it's a bit of a blessing in disguise. Like I said, though, uh, a lot of guys when they leave, you feel a bit of ill will. Tucker, none of that. I like no, he no. played. He just was played so hard. He was awesome. You know, was just a consummate pro. Spoke highly of the city. Was happy to come back. And uh, you know, I you can't begrudge him going to play with James Harden and you know <laughs> really trying to take a shot at the title. So good for him. He's a dope ass small ball center. <laughs> it's yes, uh, he's so good. It's kind of awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, a career 35% three-point shooter. He shot 40% from three with the Raptors. Yep. Um, and I, I can't imagine how high that percentage would be if his goddamn foot wasn't on the line for at least 10 threes <laughs> during his time. 70%. Um, yeah. I'll never forget uh, those P.J. Tucker long twos, man. Those were infuriating. Uh, yeah. But also nice because he was hitting them. So whatever. Cool. Two points. Um, Tucker might make my list. I think he's tentatively number five for me right now. But uh, yeah. let's get on to the next category. Okay, so I'm going to go, there's two more short, short categories okay. that we can rip through pretty quick, and then there's the long category that we'll do, and then we'll do our list. Does that sound good? Sounds good. Okay, so the short category here is the short-time all-timers, uh, which is players whose name you recognize, but you would absolutely never in a million years associate them with the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> uh, and this is uh, Pedro Stoyakovic <laughs> uh, and Sean Marion. Yes. <laughs> Uh, who are both, you know, borderline Hall of Fame small forwards. Um, Pedro Stoyakovic, the unqualified Raptors three-point percentage leader. Damn right. Uh, All-time. And Sean Marion, who played 27 games as a Raptor, 86% of which were at small forward. And hated every single second of it. Yeah, one, he, he did. He just did not have a good time. Went on to win a title in Dallas. Yeah. And I wrote, thanks for nothing, Sean. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just depressing. We had... Before the year, they had made the big trade for Jermaine O'Neal. Everyone thought they were going to be Tim Tow- Twin Towers, you know, Tim Duncan and uh, David Robinson 2.0, and it just didn't work. They were the, you know, Bosch and O'Neal were too much of the same player. Mm-hmm. O'Neal wanted the ball all the time. He wanted to shoot 20 footers. He didn't want to play down low and bang and play center. 
so they just abandoned the experiment like 50 games into the season <laughs> traded him for Sean Marion and fucking Marcus Banks <laughs> everyone in the league saw Colangelo sign Marcus Banks to that contract in Phoenix and they just passed him around and said no Brian listen you are going to pay this man his money because you gave him that contract he's coming back to you uh, so uh, yeah no that was just a, an ugly ugly time to be a Raptors fan when the Marion experiment happened and then he just no, everyone knew he was leaving. He was gone like before free agency even started. Yeah, I really love Marcus Banks's uh, Raptors career. He played three seasons and played a total of thirty-one games. <laughs> <laughs> just the fourth stringer. Yeah, There's, like just no chance to even get into a game. Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, what, another victim of Jose Calderon. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, so. Yeah, Sean Marion's not making my top five. Although you could argue he's probably the best small forward they've ever employed. Is sure. That, is that totally. fair? Yes. Um, I guess we can talk about uh, sort of a couple of the people who we'll get to, but he's he's up there at least. He's one of the three best overall players the Raptors have ever employed to play small forward in their time. Right. So uh, it's, it's too bad it didn't work out. I remember like you know sixteen year old me being like, oh hey Sean Marion, that's really cool, and like maybe this can save the season. But no, it did not, and it was a bad yeah, year. No, see, that's our that's our age differences right there. I think I was twenty five. So I was like, <laughs> already jaded. I was like, oh no, this guy's. I have no interest in being here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Honestly, he <laughs> after Alonzo Morning, whenever a good player just wants to come and play here and not just like bail on and not not even show up, I'm happy. It's like yeah, uh, yeah. You've already won my heart by showing up. So, congrats to Sean Marion. I was in uh, Chicago a couple months ago and I came across an Alonzo Morning Heat jersey, oh, and yeah. it was like very nice. Uh, it was like twenty dollars. It was like a it was like perfect condition. Uh, and I was like, you know what, I could buy this, but no, I'm not going to, uh, because yeah. screw Alonzo Morning. And then our pal Russell Pedal, he saw my tweet about it and was like, go buy me that right now. And I was like, no, I refuse to. Um, I feel bad, <laughs> but but not too I bad. I was in Chicago when you were there. You could have told me. Yeah, but why would you Although, want to go that? No, I know. Yeah. I blame, You know what, I used to really bag on Morning for that, and I still do, because like, he had the choice, but... I really do blame Rob Babcock for that more than anything. Like he, he needed to have a conversation with Morning before that trade went through and be like, "Are you going to come? Because if, <laughs> if you're not going to come, we're not going to pay you." Oh boy, I'm uh, very excited to get to some of Rob Babcock's doings on this. Uh, it's coming on this here podcast. Uh, so we have Marion yeah. Peja, yeah, uh, the all-time leader in three-point percentage for the Raptors. I'm always shocked that no one was like one for one at some point in their career, um, but, <laughs> but it's Peja two for three over two games. Sixty-six so, percent, uh, baby. Yeah, man. Uh, so, how did they get Pagea again? Uh, I think he was just a free agent, maybe. No, it was a mid-season made... trade. Oh, they got it from Dallas, right? I think it was like a Dallas. mid-season trade that took place. Yeah, but it, I don't think it was very significant. They, they got him from Dallas for sure. He wasn't yeah. playing much, yeah. and I'm not really sure what the here. Let me I'll look it up. Yeah, if you want to. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna scroll to the bottom of his because people love hearing. People scrolling around basketball yeah, reference. That's best. That's what we should both uh, do it at the same time, and neither of us should talk. Yeah. No. I. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Traded by the Hornets with Jared Bayless to the Raptors oh. for David Anderson, Marcus Banks, and Jared Jack. Wow, they got rid of Marcus Banks. Yeah. So much Marcus Banks content on the small forward podcast. This is. Uh, these things always become just super depressing. And yeah, he was waived <laughs> by the Raptors on January twentieth, twenty eleven. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three so, games. How was he on the team from 2010 till 2011? He was over. He was on the team for like four months and played two games. 
Yeah, he was hurt. Yeah, okay. Like he got, he got hurt as soon as he got there, and then they could well, they waived him as soon as he was healthy. Right. Then he signed <laughs> with then he signed with Dallas for the championship run. That all this all oh, is coming right, together right. now. Okay. Uh, this is peak post uh, Bosch years depression, Ugh. man. This is uh, just bad. Just bad. This is rough. Uh, okay. So that's the short time, long short time, long time, short time, big time. That, uh, that was yeah, short time, all time. Short time, all time. Okay. Uh, now move on to the the next category. Yes, which is uh, labeled post Vince sadness. Okay. Uh, or the Rob Babcock musical suite. <laughs> um, now some of this started while Rob Babcock was on the team. Yeah. Or sorry, Rob Babcock was in charge of the team, but while Vince was still on the team, but it was kind of that era where he was getting ready to leave, okay. and it was past the. The peak, you know, the Sixers playoff years of 01. It was more like the 03, 04, 05, 06 kind of era. Yeah. Um, so The Mike have, James, Rafer Olsen era, if you will. Well, that was Colangelo. That was right when Colangelo came in. Okay, uh, okay. Babcock was fired almost immediately firing the Vince trade. <laughs> uh, he stayed on with Colangelo as like an executive, sort of. It right. wasn't like a firing, but they were like, okay, but if this is the best you can do. <laughs> we might have to go in a different direction. And hey, there's a man with a good suit. Uh, anyway, which is Brian Colangelo. And a terrible these, father and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> these, so these two players, uh, we have Lamont Murray. Yes. Uh, who 84% at small forward in both of his seasons with Toronto. I have him listed as an NBA Live 2004 legend. Cause yes. Was, uh, Eric Williams, uh, who was one of the people that was traded uh, for Vince Carter. Uh, listed as a, as a shooting guard in his first year. Uh, even though if you look at the breakdown, 63% of his minutes came at small forward and only like 25 were at shooting guard. Wasn't he like so, six foot ten or six foot nine or something? Like yeah, he was six, a small eight, forward nine. size guy. Yeah, he was not a shooting guard. Okay. And it says, I just wrote here, even basketball reference makes mistakes because they don't even follow their own rule uh, <laughs> in terms of its classification. But uh, So yeah, Eric Williams, Mon Murray, I don't really have much to say about any of them except Eric Williams had some cool tattoos. And I still remember him having some kind of a pretty like heartwarming story about playing for his daughters or something i'm not really sure but right. uh good guy lamar Marie was a cool shooter wore number 21 which is cool which i liked because i always wore 21 in hockey um but yeah not, not much memory of either of these guys i still harbor a lot of resentment for both williams's uh yeah. just because of that trade and everything that came with it uh, and, yeah. I, and i can't really direct my hate towards alonzo morning entirely because he never played for the team <laughs> um I, I actually had to watch eric williams and aaron williams suck at basketball um, I mean, Eric Williams was fine, I suppose. In, in yeah. a vacuum, he was like, okay, this is a player who's not terrible, but he was the return for Vince, so the, exactly. this was not a never vacuum had, situation. Yeah. Uh, Lamont Murray, yeah, I kind of liked him. I remember him being like a thick dude. Um, honestly, I didn't realize this. He missed the entire season before he came to Toronto. And before that, he was like a monster for Cleveland for like five years. Very good um, player, yeah. yeah. He was a big college player. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then with the Raptors, obviously, I guess the injury must have slowed him down. I'm not even sure what injury it was. Um, but I, I do remember him being a 2K legend. His three-point, yeah. I think he was like an 84 or something like that. It was like a really strangely high rating for Lamont Murray. And, great shooter. Yeah, he was a great shooter. 44% no 405 on 1.7 attempts a game, which is a lot for then. Um, yeah, yeah, good good player, Lamont Murray. But, yeah, he's not making my list either. Okay. So now we're into the real toilet, which is what I have, what I have labeled as the Colangelo heat check years. Oh, my God. Uh, which is where Brian Colangelo tried to do one of the things that he thought he was best at, uh, which was finding players on the scrap heap 
and turning him into NBA rotation players. It worked that first year in Toronto when he somehow found Jorge. And it wasn't the scrap he necessarily just getting unconventional ways where he found Anthony Parker and Jorge Garbajosa. This was know, all Europe. Maurizio Garadini's work. Come on. This it, wasn't it, Exactly. Yeah. But then, so, <laughs> Colangelo fancied that he could do it all the time. Uh, and we wound up with... So do you want me to list them one at a time and have you say thoughts, or do you want me to just hear the whole list? To hear the whole list, and then we can go through from the top. Sonny Weems, <laughs> Jason Capono, Joey Graham, Julian Wright, oh. Linus Glaza, Landry Fields, Antoine Wright, Alan Anderson, and Hito Effin Turgaloo. Oh. Uh, so a lot of those, a lot of things to take in there. Not all scrap heap guys, some big free, big in quotation marks, uh, free, free agent signings. <laughs> Literally big, fat, same thing. Um, yeah, just, just a real smorgasbord there of mediocrity and blow. So let's get this out of the way. Uh, are any of these guys making your top five list? No. No, none of them. The no. fact that you can go like a seven-year stretch of basketball without having one of your best... In a 20-year-old franchise, without having one of your best small forwards is... Uh, well, frankly, why are we fans of this team? I don't understand. Um, one Colangelo guy that I didn't list here did make my list of top, my top five. But Okay. Yeah, just he's more for sentimental reasons. Anyway. Okay. Uh, is there another category after this or no? No. No? No, no. So there's three guys, I think, that we haven't gotten to. but uh, Well, the guy I didn't list. So in these categories, I didn't list anyone who's on my top five list. Oh, okay. Okay. So I kept, I, kept them, I kept my top five guys out. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So then, yeah, there's Sonny Weems, Capono. Sonny Weems, like, Young Guns era. I mean, what to say about uh-huh. that? Uh, he was, I think he was at the game recently, actually. Um He's like he made himself a career overseas, I guess, which is cool. Yeah, and he came back to the NBA. He took like three years out. He played in Turkey, I think, and then was back and was a reserve with, I can't remember who. But he, he was back for a little bit, and then I think he went back over to Europe again. And yeah, yeah. I always liked him. He seemed like a good dude. There was 100% a faction of people who thought he was better than DeMar. Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't think I was ever Absolutely. in that camp, but like no. that second season, they were pretty comparable, I think. Um, sunny, sunny Dreams, man. Sunny Dreams. I, that's my friends call him Sunny Dreams. Uh, or cash money, cash money Weems also. Um, yeah. <laughs> so he was listed. So he first two years in Toronto, he was listed as a shooting guard. He almost didn't make the list. He was like just over Vince, right? In terms of how many minutes he played at small forward, right? Uh, so shooting guard his first year, small forward the next, slightly more minutes at small forward. Uh, I put he was at the game the other night, a legend. Uh, he was a small forward in his best year as a Raptor, where he started 28 games and also shot a delightful mirrored 28 percent from three. Uh, <laughs> d- d- delightful. Yeah, <laughs> and that was his career high from three. So, uh, you know, we f- remember him fondly, but that was not a great era for the team. Um, Capono was the next guy, the, uh, the three-point shooter who never shoots shot threes ever. Yeah. Yeah, the qualified. We talked about the unqualified three-point percentage leader. He is the qualified three-point percentage leader in Raptors history. Right. Forty-four point two percent. Yeah, I wrote, should have taken way more threes. That was the whole <laughs> point of him. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, he played some shooting guard, um, but he's listed as one year as a shooting guard, one year as a small forward, but played a bunch of small forward in the shooting guard year and zero shooting guard in the small forward year. So I hope everyone could follow that really back and forth. But uh, the point is, he played more small forward than shooting guard as a Raptor. But I remember the day they signed him. It was Canada Day weekend. I was at my friend's cottage for his birthday, where we used to go every year. Yeah. And uh, someone texted me. I was like out in the wilderness, and this text came through like probably three hours late because it was 
2006, and that's when how cell phones worked. And I was super excited because I thought he was a really great addition to put next to Bosch and Parker. And, well, hadn't he just won the title with yeah. the Heat? Yeah. 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 Right. Okay. Yeah. So he got a four-year, like almost. A, I think he got almost a forty million dollar deal. Like it was a, and the cap was much lower than it was a pretty big contract. And I think everyone thought he was going to start at small forward mm-hmm. and play, you know, with Parker and you know Ford with Calderon off the bench and. It was supposed to really solidify the team and help them, you know, create some more offense, and it did not. No, uh, it, he, he did not play very not. much. So, <clears throat> excuse uh-huh. me. Uh, the next guy was one of your own favorites. I'll let you talk about him, Mister uh, Mister Joey Graham. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of hope wrapped up in Joey Graham. That's for sure. Uh, I was when he was drafted. I mean, you had no idea when he was drafted that he was picked one spot ahead of Danny Granger, and like. I kind of wanted Danny Granger because he was the guy who like I had heard of more than Joey Graham when they took him. Uh, but I was always a believer in Joey Graham. And like every little instance of athleticism or promise he showed, I was like, oh, Joey Graham's here now. It's great. Uh, he's going to be here. Uh, the only real memory of Joey Graham I have is I was playing NBA Live 06 with my roommate last year. Uh, and he scored 75 points on me with Joey Graham just to <laughs> prove that he could. Uh, I think I did a podcast with you immediately after that happened. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, that's my stand-up memory of Joey Graham now, and the fact that he had a brother who uh, was also in the NBA and was Steven, not. Stephen, I believe. Yeah, Stephen Graham. Yeah. Um, in the first year, or maybe it's one year. I just said one year. I don't know if it was the first year. They tried to play him at shooting guard. Yeah. Uh, for like thirty percent of his minutes, which was a disaster because he basically the knock on him was that he had no face-up game because he basically played power forward and center all through college. Right. Um, so I think if he came in the NBA now, he'd have much more of a shot. Yeah, he'd be an interesting uh, like small ball four, I think, right now. Exactly. Uh, right. You just teach him to shoot that corner three and post up. But yeah. It was he was not a good fit back then. No, not uh, at all. Yeah, the face up game, the dribbling, the just yeah, he wasn't a very good NBA player, and that was too bad. Uh, he finished his career with a zero point eight to zero point five turnover to assist ratio. Wow. <laughs> Did not hold the ball much. No, he certainly did not. Um, yeah, not a not a particularly good player. He didn't even have like a season where he was like, yeah, that's him, like kind of taking a step either. It was just yeah. kind of the same across the board. Um, yeah. I think he missed a bunch of 07-08 with an injury because he only played thirty eight games. But uh, yeah, just he never really put it together. And another failed story of Raptors small forward, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, um, four full seasons as a Raptor though, which is like surprisingly long i think if you look at like the career games played as a raptor list he's probably like which is shocking like in the top 12 is he the same uh uh year that uh, he's the same draft as charlie villanueva right yes i believe so yeah yeah and they decided yeah, yeah villanueva is the guy we got to trade out of this bunch uh yeah. <laughs> this yeah. rookie crop villanueva one of the sneakiest really good rookie seasons ever i think probably uh he's great yeah and then he kind of fell off Where, what did he get traded for again TJ Ford, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's So they're trying sense. to get a point guard, which is, is a pretty good trade, actually. TJ yeah. Ford, unless he got he got hurt, which is too bad, but yeah. he was really good for them. Right. Uh, I'm just looking up where Joey Graham is in all time Raptors minutes played. Uh, he's 19th. Ah. <laughs> still. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah. Uh, he's been around for a long time. Yeah, and how many. Yeah. Where is he in scoring? He's. Uh, pretty low. Well, he's fallen down a little bit. He's. Where is he? Where are you, Joey Graham? He's, I don't know. He's not Bring very high in scoring. Where, where are you, Joey Graham? Yeah. <laughs> Actually, he's 20th overall in scoring in team history. So, uh, so 
He's... Well, let's hope the people keep passing him. Um, <laughs> next, the next guy, a guy I had completely forgotten about, Julian Wright, yep. who I've been a high draft pick, and it was a classic Colangelo trying to like capitalize on this guy that you know people had given up on. He played 54 games and actually started 10 games for the Raptors in 2010. Yep. Uh, I originally had him in my list of names I wasn't going to mention, and then I looked at his stats and could not believe that he actually played that much for the team. Well, he was one of the poster uh, boys of that first post uh, post Bosch year, right? Like he was. Yeah. Yeah. They we're, were hoping that they could make something out of him. Yeah. What? He's only 30 years old right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was born in 1987. Yeah. So, like, I think he'd been drafted and cut, and then like whoever drafted him just had no time for him, I th- and he did, did not last long in Toronto. No, I think he had a bit of shine on him. Uh, he was kind of like Joey Graham in that, like, in video games, he was always kind of good because he was like he could dunk and stuff. And I think yeah. he had some shine on him, A, because he was a good player at Kansas, and B, because he was on those Chris Paul Hornets teams that were really good. Um, yes. Like, he didn't do t- a ton for them. He just he was kind of a sparing piece for them. But, like, he, uh, I think he had a little bit of shine. So when he came to Toronto, I was like, oh, this guy who was on uh, those really good teams, awesome. And then, yeah, he washed out of the league and never played after that season. <laughs> yeah, exactly, at 24. Classic. <laughs> yeah. Classic so. Raptors uh, small forward in this era. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we have Mr. Linus, Linus, Linus Kleza. Oh, yeah, baby. Two-thirds small forward, one-third power forward is the only note that I wrote for him. <laughs> is he, uh, uh, is Linus Kleza, like, the the third biggest free agent signing in team history? After Damari Carroll and Hito? Not counting, like, retaining their own guys? Probably. It was, like, a big, yeah, they put out 20 million bucks Good for him, right? Lord, so. that is so depressing. They never. They don't, I don't know how they got Kevin Willis. Probably a trade, though. It was yeah. mostly trades back then. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So the fact that that's the debate is, you know, I, I don't know. It's it's crazy. They gave him way too much money at the time. I was like, what? I get you. <laughs> want, I I know why they wanted a player like him. But then the next year they went and got the next guy on the list, Landry Fields, who was like the same kind of a player, like a three-four, who was supposed to be able to shoot, who was supposed to be like a good passer, kind of a fundamental guy, but. Yeah. It was like they were actively trying to get less athletic. <laughs> it was insane. Like, well, it was like, you already have one of these bums. Like, you don't need a second one. Yeah, and he was like their response to having Hito as well. It was like, yes. oh, let's uh, replace that unathletic bum with another unathletic bum that we paid too much. Yeah. Uh, totally. And I know the Fields thing was a play to try to get Steve Nash, which thank God that didn't work. <laughs> um, and I love Steve Nash, but like he was washed at that time. So that would have been really, really horrendous. Basically, for anyone listening who wasn't around or wasn't old enough then, that was when Steve Nash went to the Lakers and essentially his career was over. Yeah. Uh, and the Knicks were after him. So the Raptors offered Landry Fields this weird contract so then they thought the Knicks would match it yeah. and then they wouldn't be able to sign Steve Nash. <laughs> but then the Knicks said, uh, no, you can have Landry Fields. Uh, the Raptors then did not have enough cap space to make an offer to Steve Nash. <laughs> He did not go to the Knicks. He went to the Lakers. What a fucking mess. Oh, man. Like, unbelievable. Landry Fields, poor guy, because yeah. his arm just, not like, completely fault. just died on him. Uh, yeah. I remember being at a game. It was that, that crazy game against the Bucks where they won by, like, 46 uh, back in Bruno's first season. It was, like, 10 games yep. into Bruno's first year. 
Uh, the Raptors killed the Bucks, and then the entire fourth quarter was like Grievous Vasquez just like hitting Bruno and Landry Fields with passes. It was the weirdest thing ever. But Landry Fields hit a long two in the corner. It was a PJ Tucker three, um, but it was with the with his left hand. And I was like, oh my god, so happy for Landry Fields hitting that shot. And then I don't think he did much after that. Uh, he played a bit in the playoffs the season before as like yeah. the the Paul Pierce antidote, which did not yeah. work. Um, no. Yeah, no, that was... What was uh, his thing? He was supposed to be a smart player. He had long arms, and he shot 40% from three his second year with the Knicks, or like 39% or something like that. He was supposed to be like a reasonably, you know, rotation guy. He wasn't supposed to be, you know, a starter or an all-star or anything. Yeah, at most like him, a perfect fifth starter type of guy, right? Like a exactly. good 3 and D wing. Yeah. Um, glue guy. Yeah. Glue guy. But we didn't have enough things to glue together. Nope. So, <laughs> then... When you don't have anything to glue things to, the glue just spills everywhere. Yeah, you just okay. have like a, a house that's just a pile of glue. <laughs> it's just it's just a pile of glue. Um, exactly. Yeah. So he was bad. So, to, yeah, he was very bad. To the to the listeners that may be like ready to jump off the ledge, there's only a couple more in this horrendous category. <laughs> uh, Antoine Wright, the second right of the category. Yeah. Who I really liked. He was fun that year. He started out kind of hot, and then, you know got some starts he was on a playoff bound Raptors team that second year uh after the Bosch Anthony Parker kind of unit was together um he yeah played 67 games as a Raptor 10 starts um I didn't remember that he played that much for the team but they were you know they were a team that made the playoffs they lost in the first round to Orlando but he was an active part of the team that year um I don't think I don't think you could put his basketball reference page next to Joey Graham's and notice any discernible difference. No. Aside from, like, the, the yeah. teams they played for. Like they played for about the same amount of time. Uh, like Yeah, exactly the same years, 2005 to 2011. Uh, very similar statistical profiles, very similar builds. Yep. Pretty much the same player as Joey Graham. Yes, but a better shooter. Yeah, that's fair. But other than that. But not, not really a better shooter. He was 30% in his career, so... Uh, yeah, fair. <laughs> and I think also actually I think Joey Graham had the exact same three point percentage. One second here, awesome. I had the page thirty point four for for uh, uh, our boy Joey. I know Antoine Wright. Okay. And Joey Graham thirty point zero. So yeah, wow. they're the same player. <laughs> H- higher number for Joey Graham than I thought. Yeah, um, there you go. he had one season uh, that that game the season where he played thirty eight games. He. Shot 67% on, I think, three attempts. So, good job, Joey. <laughs> good for you, Joey. Joey played uh, six seasons, and he shot a combined total of 183s. Not what you want from a wing. That's not a lot. No. And 87 of those came in his first season. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. that he had, And he made 33% that year, almost 34. Yeah. And then he just stopped shooting. Yeah. But still, him and Antoine Wright, the same player. Anyway, moving on to the rest of the Brian Colangelo era. I'm ready to drink some bleach right now. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, I go, you know, a little bleach. The, you know, turpentine chaser. Yeah. Uh, Alan Anderson, who I have listed as the drunk man's Lou Williams uh, for a few years there, a real gunner. Uh, you know, Alan Anderson was fine. He, he was an okay get, but he, you know, didn't play a lot of defense. Right. Shot too much. Um yeah, Drunk Man's Lou Williams. That's basically, I, I can't say any more than that, really. <laughs> yeah, I have no takes on Alan Anderson. Moving on, I, he's, he was a guy. He was a guy. Uh, and then the last, Hito Turgaloo. Yep. Who, who, the most disappointing free agent signing. Obviously the biggest free agent signing in the history of the team. Five years, $55 million. Uh, And I just wrote, what a bint beside him. <laughs> uh, because he was just such a turd. And 
made such a big deal of coming here, showed up out of shape, was an asshole the whole time he was here, and Bull. played well after he left. So, Bull. F him. Bull. Bull. <laughs> I was like, what? What are you doing? Are you trying to call my dog? Bull. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, Bull. Yeah, Bull. what an ass. Uh, what an ass, man. Like, Are we forgetting Rudy Gay from this category as well? Rudy Gay, I put in a different category. He's got okay. his own category. Oh, all right. Awesome. I uh, forgot there was one more, yeah. yeah so... Rudy Gay category after this. So if we're, if we're ranking the Colangelo era small forwards on our own little ranking outside of the top five of all time, you know, yeah, Weems, Capono, Klaza, Fields, the Wrights, Graham, uh, who's also a Wright, uh, Al Anderson, Hito. What's your ranking there? Oh, man. Uh, I guess I probably put... <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I don't want to. I, I want to just light it all on fire. Oh, also, one uh, guy I think you forgot. Carlos Delfino, did he qualify? Did you come across oh, him? Delfino, you know what? I'll check right now. So you give me your ranking. I will check Carlos Delfino. I had thought of him, and I didn't put him in. Okay, I so think I, I think my ranking goes Capono, which is just horrifying. Capono, Antoine Wright, Graham, Klaza. Uh, I guess Hedo because he put up numbers that season at least not good numbers or effective ones but there were numbers uh, and then I guess like Weems Julian Wright Alan Anderson okay maybe flip Anderson and Julian Wright so I guess Wright would yeah. last oh and Fields I'd say Fields I don't know it's all blurring together I'm blacking out at how terrible this is um, yeah so Capono Wright Graham Klaza Hedo. Alan Anderson, Julian or uh, Landry Fields, Julian Wright. I think that's my ranking. Weems in I'll, there somewhere too. I don't. I don't that's know. pretty good. I, I'll, I'll acquiesce to your ranking. I think that's good. Um, Delfino, fifty percent of his minutes were shooting guard. Forty-seven percent small forward. Where so, are the other three? Two uh, percent power forward. One percent point guard. All right. Uh, so who knows? There's there's definitely some flexibility here, but. It uh, doesn't quite make the list. Same, I actually looked up Marco Bellinelli at the same time. He was shooting guard as well. So, If Delfino uh, so. had qualified, he might be number one of this list, which is horrifying. Yes, uh, I agree. Okay. So the guy that was probably the most talented, well, definitely the most talented guy, uh, having a, li- a list, of, a group of all his own called the Kingmaker, uh, <laughs> and that's Rudy Gay. Uh, not, <laughs> not for uh, Brian Colangelo, but for Masai Ujiri. Uh, the trade of Rudy Gay made Masai's name. He launched us into this current era of Raptors basketball, even though he didn't contribute very much on the court. Uh, <laughs> it accelerated everything. Long live Rudy Gay. Uh, I said you could make a case he belongs in the top five, but he didn't even play a full season in Toronto. Only 51 total games as a Raptor, which kind of surprised me. Yeah. Uh, so just about a calendar year on the team, I think. Yeah. So uh, he got his own little category because of that. He would definitely fit in the Colangelo heat check, but uh, he kind of spanned two eras there. Yeah, um, yeah. I just lost the, my computer just crashed. Uh, my internet just crashed, so I lost all my tabs. But uh, yeah, Rudy Gay. Uh, there's a special place in the heart, I suppose, for him. And like, if you're going pure talent, again, he's one of those guys who was extremely talented overall compared to the rest of the field. Um, but in terms of his contributions with the Raptors, they weren't, they weren't much. It was kind of the him and Demar pairing. I think maybe they were paired together like three years too soon. Because I, f- I feel like Rudy Gay is a small ball four, like works a lot better if he's going to be like a like a. Would have been great. Yeah, <laughs> if he was if he, willing to play that role. Yeah, if he was just willing to just like catch corner threes and, and do that, like he's doing with the with the Spurs right now. Although I guess he's playing more wing with the Spurs. Uh, honestly, I haven't thought about the Spurs in a while because I'm just uninterested in them without Kawhi. But 
Um, yeah, he's playing mostly small forward there because they have they usually play two bigs, which is kind of more traditional. Right. But uh, he has been playing a little bit of small ball forward for them for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's not making my list, but uh, he served his purpose. I guess we can. That, that's the best you can say for Rudy K. He yes served his purpose. Um, he got us a whole bench. He did. <laughs> Just an entire bench. Uh, And he also got... Oh, one other guy. John Salmons. Ah, Salmons. Uh, Belongs also definitely in the... Well, he belongs in the Maasai's guys, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And he he got us Bebe. He did get us Bebe. He played playoff minutes that I wish I could erase from my memory. Um, Yes. And, yeah, he was gone after that one season. But always... I, mean, I remember when the Raptors were trying to sign him before he went to Sacramento, I believe, and it was like a big thing because he, he was really good he, for a time. He agreed to a deal. Yeah, yeah. And he backed out, yeah. He, he pulled the old Hito, but the reverse Hito, I guess. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so John Salmon's also not making my top five. Should we get to no. the top five, or at least your top five? I have my own top five figured out, I think, but go ahead. Let's do it. Let's do it. So I haven't <laughs> mentioned any of these guys yet, which has probably just been delightful for anyone listening. <laughs> uh, we've talked about anyone good yet. <laughs> Uh, so should I start at five and go to one, or start at one and go to five? What Let's do you think? go five to one. Five to one. Okay. So my number five is my sentimental pick, and I'm very willing to be talked out of it. I had a couple different people in this spot and moved this guy in. Uh, it's Jamario Moon. Okay. Uh, I, he's nearly exclusively a small forward as a Raptor, listed that way for his whole career. Uh, my only note about Jamario was that he should have dunked way more, as he was a very good dunker. He was in the dunk uh, contest, right? I don't remember. I think he did do it because he was a Harlem Globetrotter, right? So yeah. And then everyone's like, oh, this guy's going to be a high flyer. When he came in the league at the first season he was there, he did a bit. And then he kind of thought himself thought of himself more as a you know, a shooter. He was a little older. He was like 28, 29. So I guess going to the basket over and over was not the best for his body. But he, he was sold as like this hyper-athletic guy. And then he didn't play a ton of defense. But... Uh, he did play a decent role on those, you know, the Raptors, Chris Bosh, Anthony Parker playoff teams. And, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that era of Raptors basketball. I went to a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, it had been really shit since the Vince era. So it was nice to have, like, a little glimmer in the darkness. And, uh, yeah, I like Jamario. So he, he made number five on my list. But that's more of an indictment of the lack of talent than, you know, kind of an, uh, an, an embracing of his, his Raptor legacy, which was not, you know, too significant. There was like a big like contest for his nickname, wasn't there? Like, wasn't there a thing with the broadcast where they were trying to like pick what his nickname was going to be? Probably. There was like, like Apollo Thirty Three. I think Super yeah. Jamario was in there. Moonwalker. Uh, yeah, the screwdriver yeah. apparently is one of his nicknames on Basketball <laughs> Reference, which is one of my favorite things. Is looking up weird ass nicknames on Basketball Reference for guys. Oh man, Luke, Luke Jackson, who was the guy I said we would not talk about, but we will. I saw his nickname was Cool Hand Luke. <laughs> which is like my favorite movie but Luke Jackson did not earn that nickname that is like one of the most iconic film characters of all time he played in the NBA for like 8 seconds so anyway there's a, currently also a Slam Online article uh, from I guess 2008 by Jake Appleman uh, and it's about him and Anthony Parker coming up with a new nickname for Jamaria Moon and his nickname is Ramen because he eats uh, a lot of ramen? No. Uh, the reasoning, number one, Moon was and still is, this is a quote, Moon was and still is to some extent underestimated and overlooked. He's also incredibly inexpensive for the value he provides. Moreover, Moon came out of nowhere to take the NBA by storm. Ramen noodles came out of nowhere to packetize the soup game. <laughs> two, wow. two AP's reasoning, he is stringy like thin ramen noodles. Uh, okay, then. So Pretty good. Ramen Moon uh, is your number five. I'm going to talk you out of this. I, I didn't have Jamario. 
I, I think I have PJ Tucker five. I think the contributions he provided in a short amount of time were important and very crucial to the Raptors' run last season. I don't think they, you know, go on the run they did without Kyle Lowry, without PJ Tucker, and maybe that screwed them in terms of standing. But uh, I think his body of work over the course of his whatever, how many games he's played with the team, like a seventy over his career. Uh, uh-huh. Pull it up here. Uh, only forty-one all-time games with the Raptors, but yeah, I think it was. I think in those 41 games overall, he uh, provided just a whole lot of value and just and was a very sort of integral part of last season's team, part of the character. He kind of changed the team and turned them in from a, an awful defense into a really good defense, kind of yep. single-handedly. Uh, whereas Jamario Moon, he was just kind of a fun player who I don't really think had all that much like importance to the team's success. Yeah, um, you're probably right. I, I probably remember him more fondly. I think I remember being pretty frustrated with him the second year he was there. So I'm well, yeah, the second year was uh, the stupid ass uh, J- Jermaine O'Neal. I think he was in the Sean Marion trade actually. Yeah, uh, now probably. I'm looking at it. Yeah, because he was traded around that time in the season. Um, yeah, he was in the trade. The Raptors traded Jermaine O'Neal, a second round pick, and uh, they, they got the pick for Jonas Valanciunas in this deal as well. I'm very confused what? as to how basketball references worded this, but um, he went with uh, Marcus Banks. Or I, I, this is a dumb. What the hell? Get learn grammar <laughs> basketball reference. Anyway, Marcus Banks was involved in this trade, as was Sean Marion, <laughs> and uh, as so was Ramen Moon. So uh, I, I just I don't think his impact was all that important. So I'm going to say PJ Tucker five for me instead of Jamario Moon. But you can do what you want and be wrong. Cool. That's fine. All right, that's fine. I'll be wrong. Okay. <laughs> Number four. Yeah, uh, I have Tracy McGrady. Okay. Um, obviously, probably the most talented of all the small forwards that qualify here. Yep. But uh, only played three years in Toronto. Didn't play very much the first couple of years. Uh, but he makes fourth on my list just for that one prime year. His third season as a rapper, uh, as a Raptor. Um, Baltimore passed, you know, a few people for me. He was so athletic and destructive, and we saw the future before it was ripped away from us. I blame for the Vince for this also, but not really. I was just joking. <laughs> I like to take shots at Vince, and that that one's not his fault. That's my that one's on McGrady. But he was so fun to watch that year when he was playing a ton, coming off the bench. He was handling the ball, dunking. He was an amazing defender. It was I think the best defensive rating of his career, best defensive box minus, box plus minus of his career was that third year when he was in Toronto, and you kind of just saw everything because you know he was drafted at a high school really with a really high pick and a lot of people kind of doubted what he would be able to do and he had struggled those first two seasons especially the second year and then they kind of revamped what they did with him and he just exploded and you can see the next year when he went to orlando in his fourth season at 21 i think he averaged 27 points a game so yeah he was uh he was ready to take off and it was uh we got to see kind of the first glimpse of that. So he's fourth on my list. Okay, number four. Uh, we'll get to number four. I have Tracy, too. Um, so okay. I won't spoil the rest of the names, but keep on going with who you have number three, two, one. Number three, I have your guy, Mr. Terry Ross. Yes, that's where I have him, too. Okay, perfect. So I have him uh, uh, 2.65 years at small forward <laughs> and two years at shooting guard. Uh, so basically, he played five seasons with the Raptors, well, four in, a, four in a parts of the fifth season. Mm. So if you took the 500 total percent, he played 260% at small forward. So he just barely qualified for the list. Um, but uh, I do need to say that people right now this season need to stop. Uh, I wrote the word bonering over him in Orlando. <laughs> uh, because his defensive rating has been good, or his defensive RPM has been good for 15 games. His offensive rating is 94, and his defensive rating is 107, per basketball reference. Yeah, I'm not going to uh, hear this. So this is all getting bleeped out. Um, okay. The Abaca trade was a win. 
uh, at the time, now and forever. You can argue about the contract because obviously he's been a little bit polarizing this season, but the trade last year still makes sense. So he's sixth in defensive RPM. Guess what? Langston Galloway is fourth. Evan Turner is seventh. And Dwayne Wade is eighth. You might need to let this have a bit more time in the oven. That is my, uh, my note that I'm reading back to myself. But anyway, Terrence Ross is third. Love him. Uh, you know, I loved all his potential. Obviously, the amazing 50-point game. I'll let you gush about him, but he's third on my list. Yeah, no, I think uh, Terrence Ross, the 51-point game, I think, would it go down as like a top three most enjoyable individual Raptors regular season game? Like, yeah, I didn't watch it, which is too bad. Wow, uh, I think it's probably I that because th- it was also in the midst of like them becoming good that season, so it was just yes. like a, a cherry on top of two months of just like holy shit, this team is good now. This is amazing. Um, yeah. And then you had I think Danielle Marshall's twelve three game is probably up there, and then there's probably a Vince game or two that would be in contention as well. But man, Ross going fifty one, it was so unexpected. It was just so smooth and easy when he did it. Um, that like it just felt like it was going to portend great things coming. Obviously, it portended pretty good things coming. He was a, a very good... He, I really liked what he was as a bench player when, he, when they moved him to the bench. Uh, he really struggled that 2014-15 season. In the playoffs, he was awful. And then uh, he became really good as a bench guy in that, in that 2015-16 year where they won 56 games. Um, and that was fun. And he kind of adjusted to that role really nicely. And he didn't make any gripes about it. He became sort of more of a personable guy in the last year he was here as well. Um, just a good soldier for the team. A good guy that the Raptors drafted and developed into something. Wasn't great, I guess. I mean, yeah. I, I'm sitting here. I'm probably biased. I have a picture of Terrence Ross sitting above my desk. But <laughs> but uh, but no, he was uh, he was very good at what he was good at. Uh, and I still miss his shooting. I miss his shooting stroke. It would be the smoothest jump shot on the team right now for sure. Shooting 30% from three this year. Yeah, maybe. well, it needs more time to bake, Dan. <laughs> okay, that's true. Fair enough. <laughs> Oven master over here. Uh, so, yeah, I uh, I will always be partial to Terrence Ross. I may or may not have asked for a Terrence Ross jersey for Christmas. I don't know. Who knows? Who's this to, year? Who's yeah. to say? Uh, well, yeah, they're like 20 bucks on Amazon right now. So, uh, oh, I'm Terrence Ross Raptors jersey. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, Magic jerseys are pretty nice, so maybe I'll get both. Who knows? Um, just have yeah. a, a, my office dedicated to Terrence Ross. <laughs> Treat him a cartoon character and just always have a Terrence Ross jersey on. Yeah, yeah. Um, amazing. Uh, that sounds lovely to me. So, yeah, I think him at number three makes a lot of sense. Uh, and, yeah, go Terrence Ross. Good, good, good dude, good player. Uh, yeah, happy, I'll always remember. Happy Sorry, he's a great defender, defensive player of the year candidate down in Orlando. Um <laughs> Also, yeah. always remember, you talk about always remembering, that steal he made in Game 7 against the Nets yes, uh, yes. when he stole it off yeah. Paul Pierce on the inbound. Did I steal your point? No. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. The, no, I do remember that. You forget about that play because obviously what happened the next play when the Raptors lost after Paul Pierce blocked Kyle Lowry. But Terrence Ross is the reason they got that shot off. He, he's uh, the only one who could have made that play on the team. He's yeah. so athletic. Just an insanely athletic play. He throws it off Paul yeah. Pierce. Uh, just outstanding and then yeah he lined up on the wrong side of the court on the final play and threw everything off because <laughs> they drew it up on one side and he didn't realize he had to flip it going the other side oh terry well yeah it's fine want a dunk contest he did sort of one i don't say i don't think he lost the second one the second one was stupid it was um, so that was the team one wasn't yeah it? and i think john wall technically won but i refuse to think there was a winner there so yeah it was like the east team one or something yeah, but john like wall ross held the won. title for two years in my mind <laughs> yeah, that was one of the most disappointing dunk contests of all time i remember that the one that so he won sad. or the the team one 
That team won. The team okay. Won. The one that he won wasn't like great, but like him and Jeremy Evans had like a showdown, which was a sentence I just said. Um, <laughs> for sure. So yeah, number three I think is befitting of Terrence Ross. Moving on, number two for you, Jalen Rose. Yeah, he's uh, number four for me. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. So you probably had him and McGrady flipped. Exactly that. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. I think that also speaks to our age, maybe a little bit. Rose yeah. was like right when I was eighteen, nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, the team was kind of post those best Vince years but I thought and I thought they were going downhill uh, when they made that trade it was really early in the season yeah uh, they got him they got Daniel Marshall and they got Lonnie Baxter yeah uh, and it was it really fired life into the team and actually it's funny that first season Rose was is the Kevin O'Neill year which was just awful Ugh. but uh, Rose played point guard yeah uh, and I remember that he handled the ball quite a lot if you look at his basketball reference page it's the only year I think that he played exclusively point guard mm-hmm. um but he got hurt. He only played 50 games. He broke his hand. Yeah. Um, so he sat out. It's funny. Alvin Williams was still on the team, but was listed primarily as a shooting guard because he played off the ball. Um, they had a bunch of weird injuries that year, so the minutes are weird. But then after that, he played the next two seasons. Well, it was about a season and a half, season and three quarters at small forward for Toronto. So um, he was there kind of in the post-Vince trade. He was um, like, you could argue he was the first best player on the team after Vince got traded, I think. Definitely was. Yeah. He definitely yeah so and you know he was another NBA Live 2004 all-star for me uh I loved having him he was a lefty he was fun he was a good shooter uh, I probably have better memories of him as a pacer which is funny but I just it was cool to me that they got him yeah uh, at the time they made a really cool trade and they was Vince and Jalen were gonna be paired together and it was gonna be like kind of a really 1A 1B uh he was a good more of a playmaker than Vince and I thought it was just gonna be a lot of fun and it was for a little bit uh obviously it didn't turn out so good but uh I have him a second, just for his pure talent level with the team, for sure. Yeah. Um, T-Mac, again, he would be totally worthy in this spot, but uh, he just really didn't play those first two years. That's fair, yeah. So, so Jalen's my number two. Um, Jalen, yeah, he was, uh, you know, I don't know where I was going to go with that. He, he was, yeah, he was good in those years. He uh, he was just a cool player to have on the team, like you mentioned. Like, yes. He's like, oh, Jalen Rose is cool. Um, he was so cool. He really embraced the city as well. He talks about it glowingly now um, as, a, as a radio personality as well, which is cool. Um, the other thing, too, is I think he's one of these guys who'd be really good today uh, as, like, a switchable dude at six foot eight. He was never a very good defender, as Kobe Bryant can attest. But um, He says he's not a good defender. He always talks about it. He's like, I don't like playing defense. He yeah, that's that fair. Life, so. But, like, yeah. as a six foot eight dude who could handle the ball and shoot a little bit, like, that would have been a nice little, you know, bit of talent for a team to have in, in, in today's NBA is, like, a second playmaker type. So, Totally. Um, maybe even a small ball four at six eight. How fun would that be? Uh, Great. Yeah. yeah, he could have definitely been that. If he was playing three four, you know, shooting a lefty from the corner, yeah, able to able to pass really well. Like I think he would have been a really nice player now. Yeah, um, kind of like a less defensive Otto Porter or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I think he could have the ball in his hands a bit more. Yeah, but yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. He he would have been a nice player. Um, and then number one, I think we are in agreement on this one. Mo Pete. Yeah. Of course, it's got to be Mopi. He played seven full seasons in Toronto. Uh, now, he was listed three times as a shooting guard, but four times as a small forward. Um, now, I said when I looked this up, he was a person who stuck to his position. In those small forward years, all four of them, he played 85-plus percent at, small, at, at his time there. And in the shooting guard years, about the same. So he still just qualifies. Uh, was a real a, a swing man. 
But he did play quite a lot next to Vince when Vince was at shooting guard and he was a small forward. So he does qualify for me. He played much, you know, kind of enough more that he's a small forward to me. But, you know, I love Mo Pete. Uh, before Lowry and DeRozan got here, he was a statistical leader in a lot of categories. Yeah. Uh, you know, never an all-star type or anything, but was just a guy who played hard, was always there, was healthy most of the time. Um, and, you know, he was always defending. He, had the, he was not the best defender, but he was the hardest working defender. Yeah. And uh, had always had the top assignment, even though he wasn't totally qualified for it. And <laughs> I, met, I met him once when I worked security. I used to work security for concerts and stuff. Yeah. And uh, I was at the MMVAs. I did security for that for our K-Fires <laughs> set. And uh, he, him and Ty Domi and Julie Black came out to present an award together. And uh, he was really nice to me. He gave me a, gave me a dap and, you know, the, the bro hug. And uh, he was wearing a, a sweet white suit with a pink shirt. <laughs> so uh, it was pretty awesome. And he's just, yeah, he was a really genuinely nice guy. Uh, so love Mo Pete. Again, I think the seven full seasons more than anything, I would put him number one. Yeah, and I mean, he put up good numbers in those seasons. Even the second he season, he was good. Um, yeah. And he shot well from three consistently over the course of that time. He was, you know, the highest volume three-point shooter on that team, I, I, would, I would assume. Um, the 05-06, the Raptors were awful that season, but 17 points, Five rebounds, two and a half assists, with you know thirty nine percent from deep on five and a half attempts. Like that's a really good season for Mo Pete. Um, for sure, that's probably like one of the top fifteen individual seasons in Raptors history, which is sad, but um, or fifteen or twenty, I would guess, um, just across the board. That's a pretty good year. Um, yeah, Mo Pete was uh, a much better player than he ended up being broadcaster, but uh, you can forgive him from that. He was a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, for not, sure. Not the best on the broadcast. I went to his first game back when he came back with New, with New Orleans. That was uh, yeah. that was a good moment. That was fun. Um, yeah, yeah, he got a nice ovation. I didn't realize he played four games for OKC in his final season. That's news yeah. to me. Yeah, um, I remember that. They signed him, and I thought they thought he was going to be a decent, kind of a perimeter veteran sort of guy, and he just didn't really crack the rotation. Yeah, uh, Anthony Morrow before Anthony Morrow existed. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh... Dan, we've completed this list. This was an enormous podcast, but I'm glad we did it. I'm so thankful for the amount of research that you put in. This was uh, informative. This was sad at times. This was uh, an arduous thing to get through at times, especially during that Brian Colangelo era we went through. But uh, this was a lot of fun, man. Thank you for coming on. Is there anything that you want to plug? Well, I did want to answer our final question. Oh, shit, yeah. Oops, OG, I, yeah. OG, OG to crack the list. Yeah, yeah, my bad. So, and I think if you look at just the fact that I have Jamario Moon at fifth and you have P.J. Tucker who played 40 games at fifth, <laughs> it's not insane to think that, you know, by this time next year, OG could be on this top five list. If he has, like, um, one playoff moment this year, he's there. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> or, and, like, you know, if he starts the rest of the season and is fine, like, he might be there. Yeah, I think if he plays out his rookie contract, you know, and his, his knee is fine, he's going to be number two on this list by the end of that contract. So, Good God. Um, which is pretty wild, but uh, I'm, I'm ready for it. I think we're ready for a, a you know, a small forward like OG. We have never had it as a Raptor you know, fan base, and uh, having a guy that we can draft and develop who has, like, real, you know, maybe we don't know what he's going to be yet in terms of if he's going to reach that all-star level, but he's definitely going to be an awesome two-way player. And uh, it's going to be really fun to watch. How would you handicap his chances of surpassing Mo Pete as the Raptors' all-time best small forward during his career? Oh, man. Um, and it's totally fair to ask this question 16 years into his career. It totally is. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I'd give him... What would I give him? I'd say like 3-1 to one odds. Yeah, I might even go like 2-1. to, two one, to one. Like 1.5 <laughs> to 1. 
yeah, well, it's, it'll all depend on his health, right? Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. And, but, what, and whether he wants to stay here. Yeah, but I think he's so. probably a more athletically gifted player than Mo Pete was. Yep. Um, I think his defense is far beyond what Mo Pete's ever was, even though Mo Pete was pretty decent. Sure. Uh, and the the potential with him is always like Mo Pete at, at his very best was like one of the elite three and D guys in the league. I think OG can be that, uh, but I also think there's something there's some room for more there with OG. So um, yeah, yeah. But it I'm, also uh, depends if he starts playing more minutes of power forward too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, he has that potential for sure. Yeah, that could muddle things a little bit. We could be uh, looking at square one and not having him be involved at all um, if he <laughs> plays fifty one percent of his minutes as a power forward, but. Um, stringent rules <laughs> Dan thank you for setting the rules Dan thank you for coming on this was a really good time anything you want to plug right now uh, no you know I'll be writing some stuff for HQ this month uh, I'm working on a lot of other stuff right now so I'm not doing a ton of basketball writing but I am doing some things for HQ I'm going to try to get kind of more regular column going not just some game previews so uh, next time we talk, I'll see if I have some more details on that, but I'll, uh, I'll let you know. But yeah, for, for you can look out, we have, uh, have a game preview coming tomorrow and another one next week, and you can always read stuff there. There's a lot of great content over on uh, Raptors HQ. Absolutely. Uh, Raptors HQ on Twitter. Uh, Dan is at G on Twitter. Regular member of the Tweet of the Week Army with the starters. Uh, you probably Ooh. hear his candle in there frequently. Uh, I'm Matt Woodley. Sean, follow the show at Locked on Raptors. Leave a rating, leave a review, all that good stuff. Tell us who you think your top... Actually, this is a great idea. Uh, go to the comments or the iTunes reviews, and in your review, lay out your top five all time. If you've made it this far on the podcast... Uh, lay out your top five small forwards in Raptors history in the comments or the reviews for iTunes, and I would very much appreciate it. We could get two birds stoned at once. Um, in, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, the, the Trailer Park Boys have ruined that reference, that phrase for me, and that that's the only way I know how to say it. Um, Good. But, that's uh, not ruined. That's saved. That's Thanks. true. Yeah, they they've just yeah. altered it in my brain. But uh, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Until then. Have a good one, and uh, don't be too sad about uh, the history of Raptors for small forwards, because it's looking up. It's getting better. OG's here to save us all. Have a good one, everybody. Cheers. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 